Thanks for listening to the Sugar Hill Church podcast. To hear more sermons and to find out more about our church, please visit sugarhillchurch.com. Spirit.
Jesus, calm our spirit. Let us rest in your power and in your love. Cause us to have trust and faith beyond our borders. We praise you because you never leave, you never change. You're always here. You've always got us as we walk, as we journey, as we struggle. And there you are. So today I pray we might hear you and see you in all of your fullness and your grace and your mercy and your goodness. For you are God. You alone are God. This is your day. We've come to rejoice and to be glad in it. And it's in the matchless and the powerful name of Jesus, our King, our Lord, our Savior, our God our provider, our strength, our hope. It's in his name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you, you can have a seat. That's Megan Garrett, and I'm glad you're one of ours. I, uh, I heard her rehearsing that song yesterday and sat here like a blubbering fool, um, and I did it again hearing her twice today. And um, I don't know, there's something about this awareness of our own humanity 
and God's extraordinary love that just wells up in me at times and it's just overwhelming. I don't know about you, but when I listen to um, our guys uh, doing the video, one, I, I thought it was rather funny and um, because they were all kidding and, and they, they were all fun and games until they looked in the camera. And then when they looked in the camera, it was more like, she will rise before dawn and make fine linens or buy them from Macy's. But they did a great job. But the, the, the end of the 31st proverb says this, her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. I got hung up on that word excellency. You know, here in the good old U.S. of A., somehow we turned the word excellence into perfection. But that's not what the, the writer of the Proverbs is saying. He's, he's not saying in your perfection. What he's saying is this word, this understanding that in this Hebrew, it, it is the word cheol. It's a Hebrew word, of cheol. It means virtue. It means valor. It means strength. It means power. It means substance. And it means substance. It means that you are somebody that matters. It means that there's purpose in your life. That means that you count. If you're like me and you're a parent, there are days when you just feel like you are an epic failure. It's like you didn't finish reading the owner's manual that came with that kid. And there's times when you just think, excellence doesn't come near me. But you know, God had this way of understanding that excellence isn't perfection because he knows us but excellence is found when we live lives of valor and strength and power and substance and you know we can cultivate that excellence in our life and you say well Chuck ooh, ooh, I want that I that's what I'm talking about well flip over to the New Testament and find the book of Ephesians and Ephesians chapter 3 over in verse um, twenty. Uh, verse 20, here's where we start. And it says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. Now let's get this right. To him who is able to do that, that would be God, the one who spoke this world into existence, who breathes stars into the universe. Unto him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we could ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. And I love this, throughout all generations, forever and ever, amen. And literally that verse is saying, here's why you can live a life that is substantial. Here's how you can live a life of valor. Here's how you live a life of strength. Here's how you live this life of courage. And it is because to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we could ask or think. It's this picture that more than you could ever humanly comprehend, God wants to provide for you. 
He wants to allow you to experience this, this life of valor, of strength, of courage. He wants you to know all that he is and experience all that he is. And he wants you to know everything that he has for you. And then he lets that be your choice. But that's not all. If we're going to live that life of valor and strength and power and substance, why don't we go backward to the 73rd Psalm. And in the 73rd Psalm, we find over in verse 26, this beautiful picture. If you have come here today and maybe life has just sucked all of the excellence out of you, maybe you've come here today and your bones are weary and dry and tired. Maybe you're here today and life is not as it was intended to be. I read somewhere this week that this journey to church on Mother's Day is the most difficult time in the car most of us have all year long coming to church. Because mom wants her day to be special, and all of us want mom to do what she always does. And you put those two together, and it's rare. And then when we get to church, people say, how are you doing? Just great. Well, how's life? Wonderful. Instead of being honest and saying, I'm killing that kid as soon as I get him to Sunday school. But we struggle with this because most of us have found what it is to be epic failures in our task. But you don't have to. Look at this. In verse 26, in the 73rd Psalm, it says, My flesh and my heart may fail. And then I love that little three-letter word that comes behind it. But my, my heart, my flesh may fail. As a matter of fact, I, you know, if I were the writer of this proverb, here's what I would say. My heart and my flesh fail often. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. The portion forever part is the part that I get most excited about. In, in our house, Samantha is, is the, the young cook. And my favorite thing that Samantha makes are chocolate chip cookies from scratch. In our house, we have one rule. A little more butter is good. <laughs> and a lot more butter is better. So occasionally when Samantha goes to make her cookies, she has to go next door and borrow a stick of butter. And when, and when Samantha does that and we make those cookies and they, they've got all of the right portions of all the right ingredients, you can't really walk past the, the jar of cookies without reaching your hand in and grabbing one or four and moving on. But you know, when, when, when they're not made with all of the right portions and all of the right ingredients, you can walk by and say, you know, I'm, I'm eating healthy today. But when they're just right, when you put that warm chocolate chip cookie in your mouth and just all of your body says, yes, it's because all of the right portions are where they're supposed to be. And this proverb gives us this picture that for us to be all that God wants us to be, we need our portion filled with the presence of the one who made us and loves us and gave his son to die for us. And we need all of him. And you know what happens is that there's only one thing that keeps our portion full of him. And the one thing is that when we fill ourselves with ourselves, that seems to be the great challenge. And it says, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion for how long? Forever. I love it when you ask a little kid, how long is forever? You know what a kid always says? Forever. 
God's saying, I will fill you up. And we have people who are half empty people and half full people. And this proverb is saying to you, forget the halves, just be full. My portion is all your heart needs. I've discovered that somehow in the midst of all this journey to try to discover and to try to find out what it is to live that life of excellence, I've discovered this is not easy. This is not, this, this, it's hard to do that at times. But then I think I found the key. And that is, what would happen if we were to live our lives and our lives were full of joy? What if our lives were full of peace? What if our lives were full of contentment? And what if all of that peace and all that contentment, what if all of that that people experience were joy in our life? I mean, are, are you like me? I really don't want to run to miserable Mike and tell him what God's doing in my life. I don't want to run to pessimistic Patty and tell her what's happening in my life. I, don't, I want to go tell Tigger. I don't want to go tell Eeyore. I mean, really, God's doing such a great work in my life, and look what's happening. Look at my kids, and look at my church, and, you know, the Lord's just doing such great work. And, and their response is, well, that'll never happen. Well, come on, it's just a flash in the pan. I think I really know you. You know, I want to run to somebody who's going to, who's going to encourage me and filled with joy and wants to invest in my life. Every morning that Ron walks into the office, he pokes his head in, into my office and he says, and I'm not kidding about this. I mean, it's, it's this, with this rainbow Ron, Mr. Rogers kind of feel, he looks at me and he says, it's such a good day to love Jesus. I mean, there for a while, I thought Ron's been smoking a hymnal. I thought, this, nobody acts like this. For 25 years, Ron's done that in my life. You know why I run to him? Because he's filled with the joy of the Lord. If you're here today and life has beaten you up a little bit, let me give you some ways in which I believe God says you can be filled with joy. You can live that life of valor and strength and substance. And your life matters and you count to the one who made you. Over in Proverbs chapter 17 and verse 22, here's what Scripture says. It says, a joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Let me say that again. A joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. You know, I I was reading this week, and in the Greek, Jesus used more than 100 times a, a little Aramaic word that's, that's translated in the Greek called tharse, tharse. And, and more than 100 times, here's what Jesus said to both his boys and those that he passed by. He would say tharse, which means to cheer up. It means don't fear. It means be filled, filled with joy. It means I have overcome the world. Be joyful. Don't you want to be that person? Don't you want to be that person that people see and you're filled with joy? You're not filled with misery. You're laughing through the world and you're enjoying life. And when difficult times come, joy overcomes that because the presence of God in your life is so real that you're able to move past that. Let me give you three reasons how and why I believe you can have great joy. Number one, we have won a great victory. We've already won. I mean, some of us are still playing the game and forgot we've already won. Now, now watch this. God in his holiness, us in our sinfulness. God in his perfection, us in our sinful nature. 
God's holiness doesn't allow us and our sinful nature to be in his presence and to be in right relationship with him. So God sends his son, Jesus, to live a sinless, perfect life, born of a virgin and died and shed his blood on an old rugged cross so that you and I could have a right relationship with God through him taking the punishment we deserve for our sin. Now watch this. And Jesus died on that cross and they took him off of that cross and they buried him in that borrowed tomb and they sealed him up with a rock that was probably about a ton and a half and there he lay dead as a doorknob. Day one went by, day two went by, and on day three, Jesus arose, dropped those burial clothes, looked at that rock and said, dink, and it moved. And when he walked out, he said, I've come to give you life. I've come to give it to you more abundantly now. Let's live that way. Be joy filled. And then he went on to be in glory for all that would trust him and believe in him and live for him and love him. For those who would say, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. And that Jesus, he came and won your victory and it's over. It's done. He won. Death has no sting. But you see, that Jesus also lets you have a free will. And we tend to roam with our free will, do we not? That's why we sing that old song sometimes, bind my wandering heart to thee. Because we like to wander off of the reservation and then he lovingly draws us back, but we've won. Why don't we choose to live like it? The victory is ours. Oh, but now the second thing is we, we've got a great purpose. We've got a, we've got a great task to accomplish. Some of you are thinking, Chuck, I, I have made a mess of my life. There's no way God could use me. I'm done. This life is over. I, I've messed up so much. How could a perfect God use me? Well, because Jesus came that you might have life and have it more abundantly, that you might have a fresh start in your life, that you might come back to the Father because he already knows you've messed up and fall before him and say, I need to start over again. I need you. We've got a great task. Has it ever occurred to you that God made no mistake when he made the wonderful you. I mean, I know some of you thought this morning, yeah, there's, there's, God has no purpose for my life. I have no purpose on this planet. And yet God has this perfect place, perfect plan, perfect purpose just for you. I have folks that will come in my office very regularly and here's what they'll say. I don't know what to do. Now you are more than welcome and always welcome to come to my office and have this conversation, but be prepared to hear this next statement. I think you know exactly what Jesus wants you to do. Your problem isn't knowing what Jesus wants you to do. Your problem is being willing to surrender to it. That's the problem. My dad, I, I can remember being in a restaurant when my dad, a baby would be in the restaurant and they'd be wailing and crying. And my dad would always look at him and say, you know, if they're so tired, why don't they just go to sleep? I mean, I, I, I remember when, uh, when, when, when Amelia was, was little, and she's still this way. She doesn't want to miss anything in life. And when she was little, she would be so sleepy that she would cry like a wild woman. And literally, I thought to myself, is this really a gift from God? Because if it is, where's the return policy? And she would wail and cry. But you know why she would? She wouldn't surrender to that sleep. 
Yesterday on the way out of church, yesterday afternoon, I saw little Eli Garrett and Megan was pushing him in the, in the stroller and Eli was fidgety and fussy and he was making his faces and, and, and Megan said, he's just so tired and you know, he just won't surrender to the sleep. You know what happens in our lives? We know exactly what the Lord Jesus wants to do with our life. We simply won't surrender to it because we like to control it. We like to hang on to it. We like to know this is what I'm going to do. Upon Jesus' return to heaven, he got there, and I'm sure what happened was the angels got with him and, and said, Lord, what is your great plan to share the gospel with all the world, and how are you going to do that? And the Lord took him over and let the angels peer over the edge of those heavenly clouds, and they looked down and said, See that dude that went to Citadel? That dude, yeah, the, the AP at Lanier, I'm going to use him and we're going to change the world. Angels looked at each other. Hmm. Lord, what's plan B? And he said, no, no, no. That's my guy. That's my plan. That's how we're going to change the world. He looked at folks at Sugar Hill and he said, that's my boys, that's my girls. That's how we're going to change the world. We've got a great plan. We've got a great purpose. And I know that because we have a great God who longs to fill you up with all of him that you might experience joy and fulfillment and contentment while you turn this world right side up. Oh, but there's a third place too. And that is we can count on God. You say, well, Chuck, I, I don't get that whole I can count on God thing because it seems to me like my life is a mess. Where was God when, I, when, when, when all this happened in my life? Where was God when my marriage fell apart? Where was God when my mom passed away? Where was God when I got that cancer? Pretty good question. Take your Bibles and flip backward to the, the Psalms and find the 121st Psalm. You know, it's interesting to me, if we're going to be a person who can live of substance, we're going to be a person that live with valor and strength and courage, we've got to know where to find our help. We sang a little earlier, where my help comes from. We'll take a look at this. The 121st Psalm says, I lift up my eyes to the hills from where does my help come? Lord, okay, Chuck, where do I go? Where is the Lord? Well, look up. Chuck, I don't know where to turn. Turn to him. Well, Chuck, what do I do? Well, look at the rest of it. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. If you're here today and your life feels like an epic failure, here's the greatest news I can give you. You can turn to God who breathes stars into existence. You can turn to God who holds us in the palm of his hand. You can turn to the God who put planet earth exactly where it is because one degree closer to the sun we're a Pop-Tart and one degree further away we're a Popsicle. And God said, I got you. I hold you in the palm of my hand. Turn to me. Oh, it gets better though. He says, he will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Three big statements here. I've got you. You won't fall. All the time when I was in a Luther on the mission trip, I kept looking down to the ground because I don't want to fall. Because at my, at my age, when you fall, stuff gets hurt. And when stuff gets hurt at my age, it takes a longer time for it to get better. I don't want to fall. God is saying, I've got you. I'll hold you. You will not fall if you let me hold you. You will not have a crash fail. You won't do that if you let me hold you. I've got you. And and then he goes on and says, by the way, 
I will hold you and I'll never take a break. I'll never take a nap. I'll never take a coffee break. I've got you now and forevermore. And he says, I will do this for the people of Israel. And what scripture says about the people of Israel is he's saying, those are my people. And if you have chosen to follow Jesus, if you've fallen and you need to get up, choose Jesus. And he says, I'll hold you and I'll never stop. It gets even better. And he says, the Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep you going out and you're coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Listen to me, friend. We know we can count on God. And you'd say, well, Chuck, I don't know that. Let's make it abundantly simple then. How do you know you can count on God? Well, number one, call on his name. You see, you either believe that this book is the word of God and it's true from Genesis to maps, or it's not. You either believe that God is a liar or cannot lie. You either believe that his son Jesus came and died for you and rose from the dead for you, or you don't. Which leads me to this last statement. You can choose to be filled with joy, or you can choose not to. And it's your call. So you say, Chuck, just get get right down to the bottom. Okay, well, let me give you four things. Number one, call on the name of the Lord. Say, Chuck, that's a church term. I don't really get that. Watch this. Jesus, I need you. I know I made a mess of my life. Forgive me of all my junk. I need you. You'll say, isn't there a secret handshake or isn't there some secret word I'm supposed to say? Well, if there is, the Bible doesn't say there is. The Bible says, call on the name of the Lord. And you Chuck, I don't know how to do that. Lord, I need you. Fix me, make me new, I need you. And you might even say what, what he said, that's what I meant to say. Number two, stop trying. Stop trying. Most of us are trying to fix our life and our own power, and we're trying to take over and control, and we only want to surrender a part of our life to Christ. Today, why don't you say, Jesus, you got it all, take it all. I've made a mess with what I've got. Fix my life and surrender. Number three, why not choose today to praise his name? Why not choose today to say, Lord, I'm going to lift your name on high. Lord, today, I want the joy of the Lord in my heart. Why not choose to surrender and praise his name? And last, why don't you fall before him and say, Lord, I'm making a commitment this day. I'm drawing a line in the sand. I'm no longer counting on me. I'm counting on you because I need you. You see, folks, you can leave the world of epic failure and enter the world of joy and peace and fulfillment right now and eternity forever but it's your choice. Heavenly Father, we praise you and we thank you that on this Mother's Day we can find joy and we can live in joy and we can be people of substance and strength and valor and courage. And we can do all that, not because of ourselves, but because of you, not because of our presence, but because of yours, not because of our character, but because of your character living through us. Lord, we need you. And we want to praise your name this day. And we want to fall before you and surrender all of our life to you. Take control. And be what only you can be in our life. Our Lord, our Savior, our King. We pray that in the matchless and powerful name of Jesus. Would you quietly and reverently stand right where you're at?
Just stand right where you're at. And today, make that your prayer. As we worship his name, make that your prayer. And let this song be your offering. Let this song be your ask for joy and that fulfillment, that substance and that valor and that courage. You pray that this day. Let's worship together.